welcome to Able Voice Podcast, where your voice is more than a melody. We're your hosts, Haley and Kim. Hi, I'm Haley Francis Can, a certified music therapist and author living and working in Bermuda. I'm passionate about lots of things, but find my clinical passion in working with older adults, children, and in neurologic rehabilitation. Before moving here, I lived in Canada for 10 years, and that's how I met Kim. Hi, I'm Kimberly Dolan. I'm a certified music therapist and singer-songwriter based in Kingston, Ontario. I work with many people, but my main area of focus is within the realm of mental health care, supporting people of all ages in living a fulfilled and healthy life. Together, we have a practice called Synergy Music Therapy and Wellness Services, with the five core pillars of advocacy, accessibility, building collaborative relationships, improving clinical standardization, and self-exploration. With this podcast, we are on a mission to plant seeds in a growing field through conversations with music therapists and allied professionals in Canada and around the world about their practicing journey and passion for music therapy. We're We're glad glad you're here to join us. As humans, we have a multitude of ways we can express ourselves. And even with all our resources, we may find it difficult to communicate. As a registered psychotherapist and neurologic music therapist, Melissa uses music to connect and engage clients to support them in areas of need. Melissa has experience working in the public health sector of NHS in the UK with adults with profound and multiple learning difficulties and supported adults with mental health issues in a community music education setting. In her practice, she aims to support clients of all ages and abilities, including individuals with autism, neurodisability, and neurorehab, learning disabilities, early development, and dementia. For the last two years, she has been a part-time lecturer with the Creative Arts Therapies Department at Concordia University, where she has supervised and taught music, art, and drama therapy students. She is currently a PhD student at the Music and Health Science Research Collaboratory at the University of Toronto. Melissa holds a Master's of Arts in Music Therapy from the University of Roehampton in London, UK, and a Bachelor of Music in Classical Piano from McGill University in Montreal. She is also an Associate of the Royal Conservatory of Music in Toronto. We had lots to chat about from NMT to studying, working abroad, and adapting to this new telehealth phenomenon. Phenomenon. <laughs> Let's get into the conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Able Voice podcast with Kim and Haley. Hello. Today, we are joined by Melissa Tan for our conversation. Welcome, Melissa. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. We're excited to hear all about your journey and experiences and um, really dig into what you are all about. But we really, we love to start the podcast by asking all of our guests just to share about that journey. So if you don't mind kicking us off with describing your journey to becoming a practicing music therapist, that would be awesome. So I did my undergraduate degree at McGill University in classical piano. And from there, I started to kind of explore uh, different careers um, with a music degree. And one of them that kind of was in the back of my mind from the beginning was music therapy. And I think at the time, Concordia had just revamped or put together their program. So I was able to take 
a class there to kind of figure out what this field was all about and just kept exploring in that way and did a short summer class at Roehampton University in the UK, which is where I ended up training. Yeah, moved to the UK, uh, trained there. It was very exciting to live abroad and work abroad for a little bit. And then um, after I graduated, I transferred my qualifications back to Canada, did a lot of cold calling to see what was out there in terms of work and yeah began working as a music therapist in Montreal and then slowly made my way back to Ontario so yeah that's kind of the the path <laughs> yeah that's awesome you mentioned that music therapy was on your radar pretty much from from the outset as you were exploring and I'm, I'm wondering was that an option that was laid out to you did you just already have some prior knowledge of it or how did that come to be yeah, I, I knew that this was kind of this field that was out there. I didn't really know what it was about. Um, I did apply to the program at Acadia and Laurier right out of school. There was something about kind of, I guess, the word therapy that I was really unsure about. And I didn't really know if I had the maturity at the time to take on such a kind of profound role. So um, I decided to just continue learning music and kind of figuring out who I was as a musician and what I wanted to do. So yeah, that's why I didn't dive into it right away. Awesome. Yeah, I, I feel like there are probably a lot of people who would resonate with that trajectory as well. We hear so many stories on this podcast, and it's so interesting to hear each and every one of them because they're all just a little bit different. And I, I, I think I love that part of who we are as therapists. Each story is very unique and individual, which then helps us to connect with the stories of our clients. So thank you for sharing that with us. It's it's yeah, very, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that you went abroad to do your studying in music therapy. I know that they're very um, Nordoff Robbins uh, focused in in the UK. What 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 did your training look like uh, when you were in the UK studying music therapy? Are there any differences that you notice from when you had to transfer your credentials or anything now that you practice in Canada? Yeah. Um. So Nordoff Robbins is uh, is a huge approach or model in the UK. Um, I studied from a psychodynamic approach. I think there are a lot of overlaps within all of the, the models. The way music therapy is set up in the UK, it's kind of already built into the healthcare credential system. So when you qualify as a music therapist, you're actually in the same body as speech therapists, art psychotherapists, psychotherapists, and you're kind of in this regulated body once you uh, qualify from an approved university. So in that sense, it was kind of different because I guess their system is just vetted in, in a slightly different way. What I found, at least within my training, it was really about the quality of the work. So I never had this looming feeling of I need to get my thousand hour internship done, which I think a lot of students currently have. Um, it was really about, am I doing good work or good enough work? Am I learning from that? And what have I learned about myself? So actually when transferring back to Canada, I'm so grateful that I kept at the time I, I 
wrote in a paper calendar. So I kept all these calendars or diaries and I had to go back and count my hours um, when I transferred here. And uh, that, that was kind of a, not an intense process, but overwhelming. And I can see how a lot of students now have, you know, maybe like some anxieties around that because it's a lot about just kind of sometimes about checking boxes, which is necessary, but I never had that feeling when I was training. It was really about being present for me, which was nice. Yeah. Luxury, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it's a, a different way that you'd be able to engage with the material that you were learning, or like you said, doing good work and practicing well, if you're not worried about that piece looming over top of you, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it is really important to get those hours. It does quantify, you know, the work that we're doing in, in the, you know, experience, you can definitely, you know, put a number on it. But yeah, I, I didn't have that kind of overarching feeling of I'm running out of time or, or that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it's interesting, because we are in this field, that's this delicate balance between, you know, an evidence based profession and an art form coming together and there's that age-old discussion around quality versus quantity and we see that kind of come to life in the way that we have to go through our rigorous you know training programs and the different ways that we come to be certified music therapists across the world it's interesting to see the different systems and the different ways those credentials are vetted um, and classified within the general healthcare system, but just in in general within, you know, the world of academia and um, evidence-based practice. So yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of differences. And I think a lot of similarities at the same time, it's, it's kind of wild to think about all the different ways that you can be qualified. So yeah, you know, it's, it's, very interesting to think about. Yeah, all the different ways you can be qualified. I guess that's all the different routes too to be able to to get to our field and what that looks mm-hmm. like. Very, very interesting. Hmm. You also hold the NMT credential, and I'm wondering if you can share with us what that journey has looked like. What what and why did you what made you and why did you decide to pursue that NMT credential? I pursued it in 2015. I did the training in Texas. It was kind of right after I moved back to Canada. I actually had an experience in London at the Neuro Rehab Hospital in Putney, where they kind of had like this Neuro Rehab Music Therapy Day for trainees and allied health professionals. So I got to meet a lot of different practitioners who had studied at Roehampton and other universities in London, but then also helped an NMT credential and and worked with clients who were benefiting from uh, the interventions of NMT. So uh, that really opened my eyes to just kind of building on on the tools that are given in the training. Um, I then did my research project uh, around understanding a music therapist experiences um, around psychotherapy goals or psychotherapy aims and how they held functional goals within this neuro rehab setting. I, I always found that really interesting because I thought, you know, maybe it's just about reaching these like very functional tasks like walking again or 
grasping, reaching, I'm using sensory motor as a, as an example, but then also how do you hold like the emotional aspect at the same time? Is there room for both of them? Um, so I was always curious about how music therapists in, in that, who are working with that population managed those things. And then I decided, well, I can maybe experience this for myself <laughs> and did the training. Um, it was very intense. Uh, I think it was four days. I didn't know anyone. And at the time, I, I actually didn't really know any music therapist in North America. So it was very exciting to meet a, a lot of uh, people who are practicing in, in the US and Canada. And yeah, it really helped with just giving me a little bit of structure and how I approach my sessions, um, especially then working with families who were very goal oriented. So um, that really helped with feeling unstuck. And also, I think like when you move countries, and you come out of training, the maybe lack of support or unable to, to receive regular su supervision because of costs um, has kind of helped me with some structure. And then um, open some doors in research. And now currently I'm, I'm uh, studying with the touts uh, at U of T. So it's, it's still an ongoing journey. And uh, yeah, it's very exciting to see kind of the research that we can, you know, we can do together as music therapists and also just finding a way that, you know, I could hold both of these trainings that I, that I have. So yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, I think, so when I was first learning about neurologic music therapy, and when I was still in, in my training, I had this image of um, it being very separate. Um, so I studied at Laurier and did, that's very psychotherapy based and psychodynamic as well. And that's where I've kind of found my home is in the psychotherapy realm. And I, I first saw them as very distinct. There's NMT and there's psychotherapy. And that was made really clear to me at the time by some of my um, network. But then and it's interesting to see it have more of an interplay now in the fact, well, no, both of them are very intermingled and how do they actually connect with one another? Um, so it's interesting to hear you talk about that of how we can accomplish those very concrete goal oriented pieces while also not forgetting the, you know, the psychotherapeutic or those emotional side of things and not being, you know, too rigid or too flexible. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think it's kind of something I hear a, a lot within the music therapy community. Um, this idea that these different approaches or different models of working, whether it's psychotherapy or Nordoff Robbins or GIM or NMT, they kind of are not together. But it's really interesting because I think like the end goal of all our work is to benefit the client. So getting there can take a lot of different turns and routes and, and paths. And uh, I think it's also about, you know, what resonates for the client. So I, I definitely have worked with people where, you know, this model or this approach, or maybe it's me, <laughs> um, you know, like, like anyone shopping around for a therapist, it doesn't always mesh. And I think that's okay. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people in the field that they can work with. Um, and it's just, I think, knowing that too, knowing, you know, like the boundaries and what the, like the client might be looking for and, you know, knowing that we are still good enough and what our knowledge is regardless. So, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I love that perspective and that way of thinking about it. This credential that you hold, this knowledge base that you received as a result, as a result of this um, training and studying with the um, academy, it's just another tool in your toolkit that you can use and pull out when you need it or when you see that it will benefit the goals of the clients that you're working with. But we can also pull from other areas of our training to help complement the the nurturing or or the facilitation of goals within session if we see that you know nmt might not be a good fit or we could do it another way uh so that's really interesting because i know there's a lot of talk around you know the place of nmt and and kim and i both hold the nmt credential as well so you know we both see the value in it in the same way and um really value the the precision that the touts have put into this model of practice it's so in depth and and they're so passionate about you know this work and i think that is translated and transferred to everybody that goes through the training programs. Um, and there's this sense of community. So we started this conversation by kind of learning about your journey. So you did some training in the UK and you came back to Canada and then you did this training in the US. So we're kind of now <laughs> all intertwined. <laughs> it's it's all intertwined and that's awesome because I think that you know music therapy we came out with a sticker recently that says music therapy crosses borders and it's so true because um, it's great to see how we can all be interconnected and have this kind of sense of community within the different approaches that we have um, and the shared experience that we have through this lens of practicing as music therapists yeah it's really really interesting to see that you know all of these pieces come together and you have all of this that you can use to best support the clients as you said the end goal is to always benefit the clients it's been really kind of interesting to delve into the different you know research and and experiences of other music therapists um, and ways of working because i find and I said this actually, when I started my PhD, I find like the more that I'm learning and the more that I get into more of like the neuroscience and music field or yeah, field research, the more I don't know. And I think it could be applied to the same way as that, you know, the more I delve into any of the music therapy literature or any literature related to the clients that I'm working with, the more that I'm learning, the more questions I have, the more I don't know. And <laughs> I think that's, you know, really kind of special about healthcare and and what we do um, uh, is that we're we're always learning new things about people and how we work and how we operate on both, you know, kind of like this neuroscience molecular level, but also as just like the human experience. Yeah, I love that. The more that I learn, the more that I don't know. I love that so much because it's so true. Like we are absolutely experts in our field and we need to to own that. But it's also really important to recognize that, yeah, even though we're the experts in our field, this field and all of the, the research and all of the concepts and all of the things that we continue to learn is is just so vast. And I find it's it's easy to go down a rabbit hole. And like you said, you ask a question, perhaps you find your answer or perhaps you find 10 more questions. And I think that is 
so interesting and so it keeps it fun for me I guess because you 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 hone in on this like inquisitive nature of what I thought I knew so much and yet here I am continuing to learn which is awesome yeah for sure and I think also with technology there's like a whole other side that (laughs) I'm is a big question mark because there's as like technology gets so advanced and it's moving so much faster than I mean, at least that I can move at or like work at. Um, yeah, there's a lot of unknowns and yeah, ways of working that is fascinating. So yeah, that kind of brings me to a wonder, speaking of questions that come out of things that we're learning. Have you had any experiences conducting NMT specific sessions via telehealth? Do you see benefits there, potential challenges. I know we've had interns come in and kind of just question the whole world of telehealth. So anything that you have to share, whether small or big, I'm sure um, there are people that can benefit from your experience. Yeah, telehealth is a whole nother beast. I am very impressed with people who have switched over and managed to easily kind of deliver their services. It was not easy for me to make the transition. Um, I'm really grateful that I was able to make the transition with the supervision of Dr. Corinne Tout. So she really helped me kind of understand and look at my work in an objective way. I think when you're doing your work and you're watching recordings, you're looking at it in a very critical way. Um, so yeah, I, I've worked with a couple different types of clients um, of, online. I think that people who have access to technology and who are willing to experiment with online resources, it, it definitely can be beneficial. I think once you get past that like feedback and cutting in and out and how like maybe the quote-unquote flow of the therapeutic relationship and how that kind of looks like on online is worked through with the client then you know I think NMT is very doable online Um, I think with children my experience it's a lot more difficult Uh, but I think that's that could be said for for anyone who might need a little bit more support so I found that when working with in my experience with young children a family member who, you know, is able to support them is typically in, in their Zoom room because it, especially when working on maybe something more functional or something that needs a lot of materials, it just makes it a little bit easier. However, I think that if a child is t- completely capable of being online by themselves and, you know, the boundaries and risk assessments are, are in place, then I think that, you know, it's, it's doable like that as well. But um, yeah, telehealth is, is not my, uh, my number one (laughs) (laughs) as a therapist. I have, I'll just disclose, like I've accessed telehealth as a client and I find it very useful because you, you know, especially with the pandemic or if you just don't feel like leaving your house, it's really, really nice. Uh, But I think there is something to be said, the process of leaving your house, of going to a place, showing up and being able to have human contact. And yeah, that's just my preferred way of working. But how about you guys? Like how has the transition or 
you know, how has that been working on telehealth? Yeah, it's been interesting to say the least. <laughs> I think um, <laughs> there was definitely a learning curve um, and there was definitely a lot of of uh, puzzle pieces that needed to be put together in order to make the experience valuable on both ends. Um, there was a lot of learning. Thankfully, personally, I was working with clients that were on board to troubleshoot and work through some of those initial, you know, tech barriers or, or you know, things that that we needed to teach from a um, technology side of things, how to use certain buttons on Zoom and all of those kinds of things. But it, it's definitely been a journey. I think we're adapting to this in, in you know, part of our offerings, standard offerings now, which is really great in, in days when you can't physically go to a place for things like snow days or, you know, other kinds of inclement weather or, um, you know... <laughs> lockdowns. <laughs> so um, hopefully, you know, those we don't see too many of moving forward. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been an experience. Um, and we've had so many discussions around kind of useful ways to use telehealth. But I think especially for sessions when you are, are dealing with people that are going through some form of rehabilitation and maybe the like the stimuli of online or virtual um, sessions, it, it can't be manipulated in the same way that it would be if you were in person with a client. If you're, you, you know, as a therapist, you can manipulate your space. And I was finding that um, over telehealth, I didn't have that same kind of control in that, you know, there are people walking by and, you know, there are a million things in their bedroom that, you know, they would want to show or have conversations about or, you know, little things like that. And then, you know, support workers. I think that was an additional layer of advocacy and education that needed to to happen in, you know, how to best support somebody having a session uh, via telehealth. So all these layers that we had to work through and probably will continue to work through as we go through <laughs> this this new wave of um or this wave that's kind of here to stay i think in my opinion um telehealth yeah definitely i i also think like for the students who trained during this period and having some of their internships online they're going to be so comfortable i'm like excited for that cohort because at least you know in terms of having like a community and a referral system within our community it's nice to know that there are there will be there will be many clinicians that are fully confident in in that way of working um and it's I think it's so nice that people who might not have access to uh music therapy services just like living far away from where their closest music therapist is it that's been I think a game changer it, or in all in all health fields I think or all all services they're able to just if they have internet log on and connect with someone which is so great 
Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that fully. I mean, I'm, I, I like a nice mix. I agree. It was a, a learning curve when we first were introduced to the world of telehealth. And I will admit I was skeptical, <laughs> especially for, for music therapy. I was just trying to get outside of my own box that I had put myself in. So it was great to expand there, but in terms of the accessibility for, um, yeah, for people who don't have access to, um, either music therapy or other health services um, as easily location-wise or yeah like like was mentioned on a snow day or on a bad mental health day where sometimes that we might just cancel a session um, I agree there's a an important element of being able to you know get up get out of the house and that can be helpful um, in a lot of respects but some days that's also not where we're at and if if we have the opportunity to transition to um, something virtual for that moment that can also be um, really beneficial so I think it's it's opened a lot of doors for us and it it's like anything it, it won't be for everyone it won't be for every participant it won't be for every clinician but I wonder if this will I wonder if we'll see trends of people like specializing as a telehealth therapist and yeah I don't know it'll be interesting to see how this sticks around because I agree it's it's probably not fully going anywhere <laughs> yeah and just kind of to tag on to what you said about um, if you need to make that quick transition as a as a client accessing services not being able to go in I think that can be really empowering because you know if you can't leave your house for whatever reason and but you still you know there's like this internal conflict of like wanting to show up for a session then at least there is a pivot to still accessing without without having to leave your home <laughs> it's kind of this added layer so we now have this new tool that will continue to evolve i'm i'm excited to see research around the use of telehealth and music therapy i know there's lots in the works right now but it's it's really promising to see this shift in accessibility where we we knew this always existed you know, this existed in other professions. They were using telehealth already. Music therapy, I didn't see it so much, but I know that there was uh, there were several presentations at our national conference about telehealth music therapy before the whole pandemic. But I'm I'm so curious now that we were kind of thrown into this world, what it's gonna look like. 10, 20, 50 years from now, like you said, with these cohorts that are just, they have this in incredible skill set that they're able to use and hone in on. And maybe there will be telehealth music therapy specialists out there in the world. Um, but there's so much that we can do with this profession because we are using this incredible tool of music. It doesn't stop us from kind of adapting um, to to in this way. So it's it's been great to see us latch on to that because um, we all, uh, we I think we've had conversations like this before, Kim, where um, adapt adaptability is one of the great traits of somebody who is a music therapist. And this has been no different. I think there are several ways that we have to adapt within sessions as therapists, <laughs> given, you know, the different kinds of outcomes that we see within our sessions. But this is just an added layer to that. Yeah, I, I wonder if you have perhaps any kind of, I don't know how to phrase this, 
in particular? Because I know that you have so much experience, like um, not only in your own studies, but also working and seeing, you know, um, students in music therapy kind of go through this whole time period. I wonder if you just have any advice for (laughs) this cohort of students who might be trying to figure out their, you know, their identity as a music therapist in this time period where we're having to adapt and 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 learn so much in in such a short you know period of time a pivotal moment in their professional identity professional journey I guess I think something that I've been trying to tell myself over the last few years when kind of like as everything as the world's kind of has kind of turned upside down or whatever people want to call it but um I think just being, like you said, adapting, being open, flexible, all these things that are inherent, I think, in the training, but not getting stuck on like actually what they might be used for in the training, but applying that to like this way of delivering a service. I think also just taking care of yourself. We forget, I forgot, maybe maybe you guys didn't forget. I forgot how taxing it was to be in front of a computer for that long, um, you know, moving, like just getting up once every hour to stand up. And, and you know, you can, you can really, I think, maybe injure yourself from just sitting all day. So, um, and like staring at a screen, so like, bl- like blinking, like these things that are just kind of normal, but um, maybe we don't think about when we're working online. Yeah. And, and just along that, those lines, I, I kind of, you know, my advice to all people training or wanting to embark on this training is, you know, find ways of just continually working on yourself so that if you know how you are, whether you're in the room or online, then I think that you can you know, hold the space of whatever is happening a lot more easily and like clearly. So, so yeah, I I hope that's, (laughs) that's some advice that maybe someone will, you know, (laughs) latch on to, but it's what I tell myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you're alone in that at all, Melissa. I think, um, yeah, we forget what we need sometimes, especially when we are, you know, in this hustle bustle work mode. And like you said, the, if we haven't been virtual or if we haven't been sitting at a computer and we're used to being up and at it, like it really is draining. And, um, I felt that that shift as well too. And I still feel it now I'd be sitting at the computer and then I'd finish my work day and I'd kind of be hard on myself. You'd be like, why am I so tired? I didn't do anything. I just, I was here, but we're activating all of these different mental strengths and, and pivoting and working so hard cognitively to basically take what we've learned and completely flip it on its head. So I think, yeah, I think that's really great advice to, to remember to take care of ourselves, to remember to stay, um, you know, stay present in who we are in the continual growth process. Um, because, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, there's lots to learn, lots to know about ourselves and about the world. And um, by staying connected to that, it only fuels what we're able to do in a, in a holistically well manner without, you know, burning out or getting too tired. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And I think like, just, I don't know if if you two have felt this in the last couple years, but my like rate of, or I don't know how to phrase this well, but 
I feel so exhausted sometimes, <laughs> especially after a session on telehealth and even now going back in person, like having to readjust to, you know, the, the energy of, of uh, the clinic or, um, or the lab or whatever. And I think kind of checking in on, you know, what, when you feel tired or what about, what about the work is kind of exhausting you? And is that, is that, you know, the means of how we're delivering? Is that, something else going on or is that a reflection of you know some something that our clients giving us so there's a lot to tease out um but I've noticed just you know we've been alone for for a little bit and then having to kind of re-emerge it's it's tiring <laughs> so yeah. yeah taking care of ourselves yeah absolutely we're seeing new self-care boundaries develop during this time as kind of our professional and personal ways of interacting with our within our own space and within our old world, our own world are kind of intertwined now um, in that a lot of things are happening <laughs> through our, you know, through the technology that we have access to. Um, and so that's really important, I think, to rem- remember um, what we need and what our boundaries are looking like now um, in this in this time and space. I realized, so not to take us away from the self-care um, piece by any means, I think that's very much intertwined, but I realized we've been we've been talking lots of, of NMT and, um, you know, the student journey has come up a little bit. And I wondered, I wondered if, if you might be able to, to describe a little bit more what NMT actually is um, for those individuals who, you know, might have an inclination of pursuing the credential or, or what that might look like for someone who's just learning about NMT. Yeah, for sure. NMT is a neuroscience approach to music therapy. So it's informed by uh, research in music cognition, music perception, and music performance. It covers three domains. So sensory, motor, speech and language, and cognition. And within those three domains, there are 20 evidence-based techniques that are used. And if, you know, you have specific questions about those things, but, you know, the two of you are also trained, uh, uh, you know, it's really interesting to kind of see the research that goes into understanding those techniques. And then the research then that has come out of how these techniques can be used um, with different populations or, or different circumstances, delivery modes, whether that's in person or online. So yeah, that's kind of like NMT in a nutshell. Um, it was kind of pioneered by the Touts and, and currently uh, both Dr. Tout and Dr. Tout are at the University of Toronto and um, I'm working closely with both of them. And it's really exciting to see you know, the ideas that are coming out of the lab, the research that we're doing. And it's not only in music therapy, which is really exciting. It's also just in general music and health sciences. So what can we learn and what can we know about, you know, ways of um, working and ways of playing as, you know, performers. So I worked on a research project in in the last couple of years, kind of understanding uh, marimba performance. And, you know, it seems really far out there as a music therapist, but it was really interesting to, you know, learn new research methods that can be applied to what we might want to know about, like the kinematics of, of our clients. And then also like 
if we have access to instruments like a marimba or you know smaller scale a xylophone like how does that kind of translate and just kind of thinking about you know how all of all of the research within music and and health sciences can be transferred and applied to to the clinical aspect and can inform how we might design things in in clinical research so took us on a little journey there but um yeah and and it's been it's been a really eye-opening like I mean I I'm learning so much about what goes into you know research protocol and how that kind of then goes into actually executing you know good research and how that can be transferred into into daily practice so it's really exciting like one of the techniques called rhythmic auditory stimulation it helps with um gait training like now that's in um i think both the american and canadian heart and stroke guidelines of rehabilitation so we're starting to see a lot of you know things that we do as music therapists in just mainstream care which i think is a lot of the goal with with some of our music therapists in our community they want this to be accessible and known to everyone and and i think that's that's um kind of the beauty at least what i'm seeing right now in the research that i'm doing um you know really kind of pushing that into just all health professionals kind of seeing what we do and and i think that is part of the fight of our whole music therapy profession is just to be understood in in what this in the services that we're offering as music therapists. And what I love about NMT is that the whole system is based on kind of this opportunity for interdisciplinary understanding, that we're using similar language, that we're using similar kinds of assessments that are used in other uh, professions, standardized assessments right at this onset, which is really, really fantastic because if you conduct this um, standardized assessment, then it's more likely that, you know, an SLP will be able to look at your assessment and understand what happened there, or, you know, a PT will be able to look at it and understand what happened there. Um, and then ongoing this kind of shift in, in perspective that it's more, it's, it's less about the intervention itself and more about the transferable skill that we're focusing on within this approach to practicing. Um, so yeah, I love that you said that because understanding, I think I hear across music therapists is we want more, more and more people to understand what it is that we're doing. And because this is so research-based, uh, because this is, is such a, a model that is integrated in you know, interdisciplinary understanding, that we might get to that place a lot faster through different collaborations and, and, and through you know, the projection of, of what we're doing as neurologic music therapists. And that will just benefit the profession as a whole, I think. Uh, that's my opinion <laughs> I don't yeah. know what you think Melissa I completely agree with you I think that regardless of you know model or approach that you identify with as a music therapist it's if if you're able to kind of delve into good research and and tie those things to what you're doing then it will justify to I think the greater 
like public of you know the reasoning and and all of uh, all of those things and the benefits and the outcomes and I think you hit the nail on the head in in terms of that transfer I really I I identify with that in terms of you know I see a lot of families and different clients you know want to access music therapy but for whatever reason whether that's funding or resources um time even uh like just knowing at the end of a session okay have I provided you with anything that you can take away to your daily life that might not be music focused but we've now used these tools and are they are they being transferred in a meaningful way um outside of the session uh with or without music and I think that's really important because uh you know, we don't always have like the luxury of instruments at our disposal. <laughs> so just having those tools. And, and I think that's, you know, what's so great about the medium that we use in music is, you know, nonverbal communication or nonverbal ways of expressing. And you can access like w- within like, um, within our brain, we can like kind of manipulate the ways of, of how um, the music is influencing whatever behavior, whatever um, experience we're trying to achieve. <laughs> Very versatile beings, are we? <laughs> Complex, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So we we have this other big question that we like to ask our guests. Um, and I, we've alluded to a, a little bit of wanting to, um, you know, see, see more access and more understanding of the field. But we're wondering, uh, what do you hope for the future of music therapy as we continue along this journey, Melissa? Gosh, yeah, big question. <laughs> you know, I've of a lot of a lot of wishes for the field. <laughs> I I hope that we have as clinicians more opportunity as as uh, as our field gets you know more known and recognized and um, understood that we have more opportunity for collaboration, whether that be on the community level or clinic uh, and in research as well. I think, I think we see it maybe more in, or at least maybe because I'm in it, I see it a a little bit more in research, but um, it would be nice to have kind of that open communication, you know, with some of the, with some other allied health professionals uh, in a way that, you know, doesn't feel I don't know. I don't know if you feel this. I feel a little bit blocked sometimes, especially in private practice, like you're alone and, and that, you know, can, can be daunting. Uh, but just, yeah, having a better, I guess, understanding like other people understanding and, you know, that comes from us too, how we advocate and the types of literature we put out there. So um, I hope that we can continue working on that as, as a community. I hope that it becomes accessible to people who are unable to access the service right now. And I mean, that in itself, I think is really complicated just within the systems that we operate under and how we live. But, um, you know, I think through people lobbying and, and really fighting for access, and then also with meaningful research and evidence that, you know, this is work that is important. Um, we will eventually get there. (laughs) Uh, I'm hopeful. Yeah, those are like the two main ones. And then I guess I just hope that the community continues to grow. It's so exciting to meet music therapists 
across the globe, especially like now being able to meet online and, and, you know, the will, the willingness, I don't know if like the idea of video chat was ever kind of like a mainstream thing before. So um, outside of like maybe FaceTime. So yeah, it's really exciting how, how um, the field is growing. And uh, I, yeah, I just really hope that we are able to provide this service to everyone eventually, like, like it's like going to the doctor. And I think that just goes across the board for any health service. Like, I just hope that people are proactive about their health and that they're able to get the help that they need. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, those are so wonderful, wonderful wishes, wonderful hopes. I think the both of us share a few, uh, like all of those with you. Um, It's so exciting to see this profession continue to grow and all of the people who continue to advocate and support uh, for all of those um, hopes. And, And I'm really excited for the future of music therapy and, you know, glad to, to, meet new music therapists across so that we can continue to grow um, in community and unity in some of those collective missions to to help get the field to where it needs to be. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast to share bits of your story, bits of your journey. Um, I know there are a lot of people who are going to resonate with the, the things that we talked about today. I wonder if you know, if people want to learn more about you and perhaps the research that you've put out um, or get in touch with you in any way, how can they find that or how can they find you? So I'm on Instagram. I'm not very active, but I, I check it. <laughs> um, and it's just at Melissa Tan Music Therapy. You can always reach me through my website at oakvillemusictherapy.com. And then in terms of research, I'm currently at the Music and Health Research Collaboratory at UFT. So um, you can always go online and Google our lab um, and see uh, what's happening there and, and the current research that's coming out of uh, UFT. Yeah. And then in terms of like private practice, people trying to access the service, um, I am the music therapist at uh, Abiton Integrative Medicine in in the Oakville area in Ontario. So you can always get in touch through there as well. But thank you so much for having me. This has been such a nice experience. Thank you for listening to the Able Voice podcast. If you want to hear more episodes like this, subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Synergy Music Therapy. You can also find links to our most recent and top-rated episodes on our website at www.synergymusictherapy.com.